getting pretty close to the start of another school year. Do you remember doing that for your children? Have you noticed that before, dropping off at preschool or, or kindergarten or the university? <laughs> Maybe for preschoolers, the preschoolers saying, one last hug, and for the university, it's mom and dad saying, one last hug. And, and maybe there were tears. Maybe there were tears and there were reassurance from the teacher. It's going to be okay. Bye, Mom. You better go now. It's going to be fine. You need to get distracted. <coughs> maybe there were tears from Mom or Dad as they, as they say, All right. I can't come in with you. I can't follow you, but I pray that you're going to be okay. Moses is in kind of a position like that today as he's speaking to the Israelites. He's standing right at the edge, but he can't come in. He's right at the edge of the promised land, the land of Canaan. He's right on the Jordan River, and he's led the people this far for 40 years in the desert. He's, he's trained them up. He's led them. Generations have died in this time, and here they are, God's people, the children of Israel. They're about to go in, and, and their spiritual father can't go with them. So he speaks to them one last time and gives them this advice, and Leads with them. Remember the Lord your God. Remember these mighty acts and please teach them to your children. Teach them to the next generation. As you get ready for this new stage of life, he reminds God's people in this first verse the very most important thing love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. He uses those all capital letters, Lord. The God who keeps his promises. The God of free and faithful grace who, who promises a blessing and care and slow to anger and abounding in love, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love him. Love the Lord your God. Make sure nothing comes at a higher place than God. And keep his Requirements, decrees, laws, and commands. Keep his word. And now when Moses says this, he's really not just saying, obey all the rules. He doesn't say, obey his commands. The word keep is more general, and it's, it's bigger. It means hold on to, cherish, take care of surround yourself with. It's the same kind of word that you talk about keeping your house safe. You would, you would guard it. You would protect it. Keep and tend your garden to make sure that it's well taken care of and that things grow. And he wants them to do this with God and his word, too. Just, this is your most important thing. And remember. Remember and teach. Those are his two main points. Remember that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God. My people, you've seen some incredible things over the last 40 years, and he sums it up as the discipline of the Lord your God. But, but we'll notice by what he uses in his description of the Lord's discipline, it, it doesn't mean um, the Lord punishing his people. It's not discipline like that, where it's, it's, it's school, where it's detention, or staying after class, or getting grounded, or something like that for a child. Instead, it's God using his entire word, both, both his law, and we'll see some examples of, of judgment that happened that he wants them to remember and not go down that path again, 
but also his, his glorious gospel, the mighty saving acts of the Lord, his mighty outstretched hands. Remember how he did this. But as Moses looks across this sea of people, he knows that a lot of them didn't see all of the mighty saving acts of the Lord. His, his outstretched arms, the signs he performed in the heart of Egypt. Because remember, they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and it does not take 40 years to get from Egypt up to Israel, but they continued to rebel against God and said, we can't handle taking over this land. We should just go back to Egypt. Ah, our God doesn't love or care for us. So God said, none of you of this generation, age 20 and older, are going to live to go into this land I promised you. And 40 years later, all of that generation, everybody except for a couple of people, Caleb and Joshua, everybody aged 20 and older from that time, so now ages 40 to 60, or, or um, 60 and older, had, had died. So now Moses is talking to people who are now between the ages of 40 and 60, and they're the only group here that had actually seen all of the mighty acts of the Lord. And they saw them when they were 19 and under. He reminds them of it. Remember what he did in the heart of Egypt to the, the Pharaoh king of Egypt. Remember the, the ten mighty plagues that God sent on the Egyptians until he finally let you go. Remember the Passover, where the Passover lamb was slain and his blood was spread on the doorposts so that you were saved from death. Remember how you walked through the middle of the Red Sea and the water was piled up on either side around you. And these would have been the 19-year-olds to the infants that would have seen this. This would have been the six-year-old walking through and seeing a wall of water, maybe fish jumping out and flopping on the ground in front of him. Remember what the Lord has done for you. And they would go back and they would think about how the Lord had provided for them day in and day out. How they didn't have food, so he sent bread from heaven. He sent manna to the ground. They didn't always have water, so water came out of rocks for them to drink. They, they, were, they were outnumbered with their enemies, yet God gave them uh, the ability to win incredible battles along the way and also lose battles against temptation. They also saw big failures. Moses tells them, remember what happened with Dathan and Abiram? And he reminds them of this story that happens, I think it's in the book of Numbers, where, where this group of people comes up to, to Moses and Aaron and said, what's so great about you, prophet called worker? We're all just as good as you. Get out of here. And, and, and God sections them off, and the earth opens up, and they fall into a pit that closes over them. Remember that. Remember what happens when you, when you stand against God and rebel and be warned. Look at God's mighty acts, his law and his gospel, his judgment and his grace. Moses wanted to remind them to reflect on their sin and their failure and learn from this for the next generation. And he especially warns them about one of the biggest problems they're going to have is they're going to go into a land that already has people in it and they're going to have a different set of priorities, and they're going to have a different culture, and they're going to have different gods. And he says, you're going to be tempted to follow them. You're going to be tempted to just blend in with the rest of the culture and follow their practices and their gods, and it is going to be devastating for you. Because if you do, you're going to perish. 
You're not going to live long in this good land, this promised land that God has given you. What will the temptations be for you, from your culture, and from the people around you? Well, what kind of warnings would Moses give us today as he says, you're about to set out on, on something new, and maybe for some of you it's going to be a new school year, and we'll have well, people certainly tomorrow who are going to be experiencing that, or sending kids or grandkids off to a new school year. But I bet if you think about it, you probably have some new, maybe scary, maybe exciting adventure that's coming up for you right now too, whether it's a, it's a health concern, it's, it's a change of some kind, but perhaps you find yourself standing right at the edge and just wondering, What's next? What would Moses say to us? How would he encourage us? Well, one thing is he'd warn us about just blending in with our culture and subtly following the other gods that are here. Usually for us, it's the gods of self-sufficiency, taking care of things myself, reason that, that, I, that I don't actually need God. Maybe it's other spiritual influences that people follow that, that we end up bowing down to. One reason that we have things like our, our Lutheran Christian schools that we really invest in and support and we're really excited about uh, starting Risen Savior this next week, one really great thing about that is, is that if we send our children there, it's an opportunity for them to surround themselves with other Christian friends. To have, to have a, a better kind of an influence there, maybe even, maybe even to find a future spouse who's right in line with the things that, that they believe, too, to pass that on to the next generation. There's just something wonderful about having like-minded friends like that. But that bubble of, of uh, a conservative group of like-minded Christians won't always be there. And really, it shouldn't always be there. Either. God wants us to be light in darkness and, and to go out and be with people who are different from us, sharing the love of Christ with those who don't know it yet. There's challenges out there, right? And we'll have to keep on assessing am I going to change them or are they going to change me? And how deep into this relationship or that relationship do I want to get into? What false gods am I being tempted to place in front of Christ? And subtly bow down to loving things more than the true God. Depending on ourselves, our skills, our wealth, our intellect, and forgetting about the true God. Because the danger for us is very similar to the danger for the Israelites. We could miss out on the good promised land of heaven. And perish. So this is what God encourages us. Don't miss out on the promised land. Remember the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. For them, it was looking back on those miraculous things he did, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. When I think about the power of of the Lord and his mighty arm. It can be terrifying because he has the power to judge and the power to destroy, and that's what all of us deserve. But that's not what he gives, is it? Remember those mighty outstretched arms of our God. Remember those powerful arms that created heaven and earth, reaching down and scooping up infants and blessing them. 
and saying, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Don't mess with them. Because he's got his mighty, powerful arms wrapped around them. I think of, of those, those mighty, powerful arms standing up after he's been awakened on the boat and lifting his arms and saying to the wind and the waves that are crashing all around them, be still. Those, those mighty, outstretched arms of our God. I hear those, I see those outstretched arms stretched out finally across the beam of a cross where they're pinned in place by Roman soldiers, where this is how God does his most powerful, his mightiest act of love, coming to rescue us from slavery to sin and death and to open the promised land of heaven for us forever. Those mighty arms are held onto a cross where, where he, would, he would breathe until he stopped and then, and then he would die. Because his death was my death and his death was your death. And, and the Son of God dies so that we can live forever. The Son of God suffers the fire of hell so that we would never have to experience that. I think of those powerful arms that look like they have no power left in them as they lie in the tomb. But then we see, we see those, those powerful arms uh, made alive once again, stretched out to show his disciples, look at my hands, look at the nail holes. I'm alive. I've risen. I've risen. And that means the door to heaven is open for you. Your sins are completely forgiven. And you too will rise. Remember that. Remember the mighty acts that our God has done with his incredible outstretched arms. Remember them and teach them to the next generation. Moses would say, fix these words of mine in your hearts and on your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's one of the reasons we have our Lutheran schools, right? One of the ways we can teach these things to, to our children to help prioritize God's word, to partner with parents as they do that. Five days a week, students talking about God's word and memorizing these precious truths of his word. And it makes a difference when we fix God's word in our hearts. It makes a difference in our death as we approach the promised land. And just this last week, sitting at the bedside of, of a dear Christian and being able to fold our hands and, and even be able to say the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer and be able to sing those hymns even when almost everything is gone. This hope that's in your heart from when you were a child and it's not too late to start fixing those things in your heart. It makes all the difference. Treasure these things in your heart now and it'll be a source of comfort and strength for your entire life. Risen Savior, our school, is one of the things that helps us do that. And it doesn't just happen in catechism class or religion classes there. We're blessed that every single class is wrapped up with God's word and his love for us and, and, and our hope and our prayer and our goal is always to have gospel-focused, good news-focused teachers who are going to love those children and point them to their Savior in every single class and teach them from a biblical perspective. There's going to be teachers, three of them, who are going to be installed at Jesus Loves Me tomorrow. So I want you to pray for them, to pray that their work can be a joy and that they, they can teach these children and bring them up in the training of the Lord. 
But let's make this clear. Uh, the goal of Risen Savior Lutheran School, and really the goal of Christian parenting, is not this. It's not to produce well-behaved children. The goal isn't to create perfect kids. That's not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to teach kids how much Jesus loves them. So they can enter the promised land with us. So they can go to heaven so they can know Christ's love. And our, our Lutheran schools, even our colleges here in town of Bethany Lutheran College, the job of those things aren't to replace parents. That's a danger. We can start to think that, that it's the church's job to be the primary teacher. But Moses isn't talking to elementary school teachers or college professors here, is he? Or even, even pastors. He's talking to parents. He's talking to aunts and uncles who are going to teach their nieces and nephews. He's talking to grandparents. It's the calling of every Christian to teach these things at home and in our own relationships. Because that's where the real teaching happens. God says that he is going to teach them his, his discipline, but you could, you could switch that word a little bit and, and say that he is going to not necessarily discipline them, but disciple them, teach them to be followers. And that's what we're doing as, as parents and grandparents and Christian loved ones is discipling the next generation so that they can hear the great things God has done and also look at us and follow in our footsteps because they see that this matters to you too. Christ is important to you, too. So I want you to think about this. Moses says, it wasn't your children who saw all these mighty things God has done. It was you. Tell them about it. Talk about it. What are the mighty acts of God that you have seen? First of all, through eyes of faith, through the word of God, through, through the, the scripture that you've heard, and share those things with the next generation, with those peers and friends and co-workers and classmates, but also think about what's happened in your life. What are the mighty things that God has done in your life? Some of our older members, think back on, on a lifetime of following Jesus and seeing how he's been there for you through the ugliest things and the most beautiful things, and share those with your family. Don't keep them to yourself, but, but point out how God is at the heart of all of this, and, and keep on studying yourself. Those kids over Risen Savior know their Bibles well. They know how to find things. They know the stories really well. Sometimes as we get older, we might think, oh man, I need to brush up on this. And it's really great to do that. Start in Genesis, read through Exodus chapter 20. You're going to get so many wonderful, mighty acts of the Lord. So keep on learning yourself. Parents, I always encourage to have a time for Bible study with kids, and maybe you can encourage children or grandchildren for this too, or when they're over at your house. Most parents do a bedtime story or something like that. Have one of those things be, be a devotion, and it can build into a habit and can go until we, we still end up doing book reading a lot of times with high schoolers um, before bed. Because Moses describes this teaching, you know, not really like having, having a big lesson plan and, and the school curriculum, but he says it like this. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. As we go about our lives, children learn what's important from what you say and, and what you do. Remember it. Tell it. Teach it. Why tell the next generation? Well, Moses said it like this. 
so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, as many as the days the heavens are above the earth. Why tell the next generation? Because God has this promise for us to give us this amazing land, a new heaven and a new earth. God made amazing promises for you and for your children too. And the promised land is right there. And I want to go with them. Amen.